Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. So if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 22, 1 Chronicles, sorry, 1 Chronicles 22, verses 5 through 10. First Chronicles. Very, um, today we're going to be talking about things that are relevant for every father, but not just as really pertains to every person who has family. Anyone can gather from this message, but dads, future dads, this is for you and, and this is for every spouse that's here to, to gather the word and grab the hold of these concepts principles that will help you we determined a long time ago that we were going to make disciples out of people through god's help and grace he said he'd work together with us so we pray today that you're blessed are you ready i'm reading out of the new king james today and the scripture says in verse five now david said solomon my son is young and inexperienced and the house To be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it, for David made abundant preparation before his death. Someone say preparation. Uh, Means to really, we know it means to prepare. But David said, "I, I have to do my part. As a dad and as a king, he said, I I must do my part and prepare. And so David made abundant preparation before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood. And have made great war. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. But behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies around him. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. And he shall be my son, and I will be a father. I will be his father. Now, now keep this in mind. God began to speak to, to David. And then he said, I'm going to use Solomon, but not only are you his father, but I will be a father to Solomon. I will be a father to Solomon, and he shall be my son. And I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. What a legacy. What a legacy. But all of this was in preparation. All of this, their whole life was uh, centered around building God a house, not really building themselves a kingdom or a castle or a palace. It was all focused around God's house. And, And so when we look at doing what God's asked us to do, we have to recognize that God isn't going to do everything, but God will help a lot along the way. He will bless us. He will, um, he will do what David did, give us everything necessary to do the job. 
But for everyone else that has a responsibility, you have to remember there's some assembly required. The one thing you don't want to read on that Christmas gift because you know what that means. You've been there? The one thing you don't want to read that the child really wants for their birthday because you know you're going to be spending their birthday putting everything together. But in the kingdom of God, there is some assembly required for every dad. If you want to leave a legacy for your children, for your family, God expects us to do our part, but he will pro promise you, he will do his part. Are you ready for God's word? Someone say, God bless the word today. God bless the word. Turn around to somebody, high five somebody and tell them, God will do his part if you do your part. God will do his part if you do his part, your part. God bless you. You can be seated this Sunday morning. Thank you for being here. It was one of David's greatest, greatest desires. David not only wanted to be a good king, David also wanted to build God a great house. How many of you have a dream home in mind in your heart? How many of you have a dream home? A place you'd like to build for your family? A place that you simply uh, like to leave for your family? How many of you have a, a mindset or a legacy in your heart, something you want to leave to your family? Not necessarily a place, but a condition. I think every good dad, I think every good parent wants to do what's right and what's best for their children. People who are focused on God's will and doing God's pleasure have very few distractions in their life. They're focused. There are things that would like to distract them. But when you're focused on doing what God's called you to do, you have this laser intent in your heart. Because when I do things, I don't just do things for myself. I had to make a decision a long time ago, especially after four children. I had to come to a conclusion. Either I was going to have hobbies and worry about me time more than I was going to focus on providing for my family, having us time. Either I was going to be selfish and set aside a budget just for my golf game, fishing trips. But thank God, you know, I'm, I'm using that as an example, but Lord knows I can't play golf. <laughs> kidding me? I love taking golf balls, hitting them with the bat. That's fun. I don't care who you are. That's a lot better. But I didn't have a choice because the love inside of me for my family told me, you're going to have to put, it's not about you anymore. It's all about them, right? I'm not talking about myself only. I'm talking about you. This is what men do. Men say, it's not about me. It's about the responsibility that God has given me, and I'm going to have to do my part. This is the message God put in my spirit, 
and I try to relate to this as much as possible, and I, and I can, because, there, because, there, because I'm a dad, right? Listen, to all the children and to all of you, if you, if you be a child, and I know you be a child, <laughs> that man that raised you may not have been perfect, but I'm going to tell you that man had to sacrifice throughout his life and experience things throughout his life and go through some things that he had to go through just so he can pass on the wisdom, the knowledge, the experience, the do's and the don'ts. And the most valuable things you can ever have in your life as a child is going to be the experience of your daddy and mama. Today's Father's Day, so the experience of your daddy. Daddies are called for a great adventure. Daddies are called to go into a great journey. Daddies aren't called just to hang around and go around the block just once. Daddies are called to go around the world if necessary for the love of God inside of them for their families. Daddies are called to go through and, and accept the road less traveled. Daddies have an inherent nature about them that God put inside of them. The same kind of nature that was placed within Jesus Christ that told him or that literally gave him the joy before him that he endured the cross. Daddies carry crosses. That cross is responsibility. That cross is accepting it and knowing that there are some things I'm going to have to do. Now, David's greatest dream was to build God's house. But when God came and told him, you can't build it. You've been through so many wars. You've done too many things already. I mean, you're not a bad man, David, but truly, I need someone with clean hands. I need somebody that's going to build a holy house with holy hands. And, and you've just been through so much. Plus, David, it's not just what you've done, but right now you're facing so many enemies. If you tried to build, you know, all the Philistines would come around and take your shovel. Take your hammers. Don't you hate it when somebody takes your tools? Or don't you hate it? I don't mean to rant, but I just got to say this because you may want to borrow my tools one day. But anyhow, <laughs> when someone borrows your tools and brings it back broke or have no gas, isn't that the worst? I'm talking to men today. Somebody get with me. Isn't that the worst? You, oh, you, you must be that person. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But David, David, he couldn't do it because he would have too many distractions. He'd be having to do what, you know, and God could do it. You know, I mean, Nehemiah did it, right? Nehemiah was able to build. He was able to build with a, a, a weapon in one hand and a, and a tool in another, right? But Nehemiah was just building a wall. God's house required both hands a full heart, not a divided one. And so God told David, I'm going to choose Solomon. And in Solomon's days, he's going to have peace. He's going to have peace from all of his enemies. He's going to have peace so he can focus on just that. See, that's what I call favor. That's what I call uh, grace. And it's best when, when God enables you not just to be forgiven and be blessed in your life, but enables you to have the ability to just just 
to, so he, can, he, he has the ability to ward off your enemies. You know, the Bible says when a man's, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I think as men, dad, I think dad, honestly, I think we just try too hard. I think dad, most of the time we just come up with too many excuses. I'm talking to, I'm talking really about me. I've come up with so many excuses in my life. I can't do this. I don't have, because I don't have that. That, that was my excuse for years. I can't do this because I don't have that. And sometimes I still use that excuse. But I've also learned throughout the years when I step up by faith because God's given me favor, graced me with favor, that he will provide the need. And he will supply it. He will equip me. He will help me. All it requires is a heart for me that says, God, I'm going to build your house. Now, God's not asking us to build houses for him because, number one, um, not point number one, but, but just for this moment, God, we are God's house. David wanted to build a house. Solomon had to build it. Oh, man. I'm getting ahead of myself. So what did David do? This is what David did in 1 Chronicles 21 and 18. When David made this, and he accepted this, he said, well, I may not be able to build it, but there are some things I can do right now. There are some things I can do. And he said, and, and now the angel of the Lord, in verse 18, the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to stay, say to David, that David should go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Anan and the Jebusite. And so David went up, at the word God's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now, Ain Ar Arnon um, was was the threshing was was threshing wheat. Now, the place that God asked him to go was the threshing floor. How many of you know what the threshing floor is? A threshing floor is where they took the harvest and the wheat. Now, I always in my mind, when I first read the Bible, I said to myself. The threshing floor, and I envisioned this building that had a floor in it, and everyone just worked together and picked the harvest out from the shaft, and which is all the, the chuck, if you will, on all whatever it is around that that wasn't any good, the part you don't eat. Well, the threshing floor could be in a location that was either on a hill or a place where the breeze blew just right, where the wind blew just right. And when they would take that wheat and they would put it on a, on a blanket, they would, and, or they, would, they would have it there, then they would take the fork and they would thresh it and they would just throw it up in the air and everything that wasn't good would go with the wind and everything that had weight on it would fall straight down. So that was the threshing floor. And then it's in that location that God told David, I want you to go there. So, so in this portion of scripture, and I want you to write this down for the sake of every daddy here trying to get out of here early, I'm just gonna paraphrase it. In this portion of scripture, you can read it, and, and this is where God told him, go down there. Go there and purchase the land. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you this land, and I want you to purchase it there. And, and then God said, now I want you to make an altar. Make an altar there. And when you make an altar, get sacrifice. Now, when he said this in sacrifice, when you look at this, David was fixing to buy everything necessary to do this. But then they tried offering it to David for free, and David said, no, 
I'm not going to. This is the kind of man David was. He said, I'm not going to. He said, don't give me something that doesn't cost me anything. I've got to give God my best. I'm paying for it. No shortcuts. I'm paying for it. I don't want to offer God something that didn't cost me anything. That's the heart of a daddy. He was sincere about this whole process. He knew the process had to be right. He knew his heart had to be right. There's one thing that God looks at when he sees men. He looks at, he looks at spirit and he looks at motive, and he begins to recognize the heart of a man. And so God looked at the heart of David. That's why he knew from the very beginning, this is a man after my own heart. He knew what he would do that day in offering a sacrifice unto God. He knew he had to pay a price. So in that place, so when he gave the sacrifice, look at the last verse in verse 22. The last verse in verse 22 says, Then David said, here shall be the house of the Lord God. Here the altar of burning, a burnt offering for Israel. David was the first priest. In the scripture, David, God asked David to do certain things that only a priest should do. But God asked him to do it. And then he was a king. David was both king and prophet. King and priest. He had the ability to to reign, to govern, and he also had and protect and had the ability to hear from God, see what God said, and do what God said on behalf of God's people. And David was both king and priest, and that was so significant because not everybody had that or, or did that. But David was chosen. And so after this one moment, number one, the thing was, in this portion of the Scripture, an explanation is that God asked David, to go and choose the property. Number one, God will establish you. He'll establish you. He'll use you to establish your family. But first, he will establish you. Before God can ever make anything else stable in your family, he has to first make sure that you're stable in your life. He sent David. And before David ever went, and David ever got material, he first committed his heart to God and dedicated the property and said, this, this is where God's going to build it. This is what God's going to do because I have witness of it. He established his heart first, then God established the location where he was going to build. It takes time to get that narrowed down in your life. How can we relate to this in our day? This is how we can relate to it. Where are you supposed to be? What are you supposed to be doing? And what and why? Why are you doing it? For every dad, every father, every father wants to know, how am I going to provide for my family? How do I find the blessings of God? How do I gain favor for my family? And what position do I need to be in? I believe disposition is greater than position. Disposition. How your disposition is in God. A relationship with God that contains sacrifice, that contains that heart that says, I'm not going to give God anything that didn't cost me anything. That kind of a heart will establish you, and God will put you in a place in your life 
where he has plans for it. And after you're gone, your children will live and celebrate in that same location with that same kind of anointing, with that same kind of blessing. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm simply telling you, it can never happen unless moms and dads, dads are established because dads are called to be leaders of the home. Dads are called to be leaders. And dads, by the way, leaders are readers. Leaders are feeders. Leaders are fighters. That's the attribute of God. David was a warring man. You know, it's, it's just amazing to me. Your children aren't going to have to deal with the same. They don't have to, at least. Every dad, your children shouldn't, and they don't have to deal with the same devils you fought. Think about it for a moment. David fought all the enemies around. And then, so Solomon could come in and do God's will and everything that was purposed in his heart to do, he may not have been able to go and actually build the house, but he said, you know what? I may not build it, but I'm going to tell you what, God's going to use me to establish the location God's going to use me to gather the material. But establishing, getting stability, getting some wisdom, understanding, going through some things, defeating some devils that your children don't have to face in their lives. You know what, dads, how many of you would like to know the secret to keeping spirits out of your home? Raise your hand if you want to hear this. And I'm not going to say it if I don't have more than 10. Here it is. Don't think for one moment hell doesn't recognize authority. And when you don't care the authority in your life, the authority of God, not the authority of, hey, make me some dinner. I said, now. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> There's your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm talking about the earned authority that God's given you because you have surrendered your life. Husbands, you want respect in your home? You want some of that R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Tell me what it means to me. I can, tell me, so I can go through the whole thing, but here's, you want it? Get the love of God in your life, love your wife, love everyone around you, and I promise you that you're going to get the respect you want. Thank you, Holy Ghost. This isn't in my notes. I'm just talking out. God's just giving me some things. Thank you, Lord. Here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. God, God, here's the secret. God will guard your home if the head of the home guards their heart. Because the gateway into any family comes through people, not things. Things are just devices. They're channels. They're, 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 they're truly not the gate. They're just corridors. 
I don't care the electronics in our home. And I love, like, I'm a techie. I, I mean, you know, I want to be a techie. My son's really the techie, but I love devices. I love witty inventions. But you see, I have a choice. Like any other dad has, I have a choice, and I know what to click on, what not to click on, right? right? Now, determined by a click, this is our generation now, right? So I have to talk about that. But I'm giving you the secret right now. The secret to a healthy home and a strong marriage is based on, in our generation, clicking on the right things, listening to the right things, and submitting to the right person. Yes. Yes. Now, when that's guarded in your life, when that's guarded in your life, hell can't come through you. A spirit will make entrance to a home through a person and their actions. Now, when you're guarded and it can't come to you, it'll try to go where next? To your wife. That's where you bond together with your wife. That's where you come together with your wife, and your wife share the same heart. Let the two become one, and God, be, God begins to guard your hearts. Now, when your wife and you can agree, then you can begin to pray things together. And where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is, right in the midst. And what comes out of your life, of your family, of your family God will begin to move and work on your children, and he'll deal with their hearts. So you bring the children together, and you invite them to that little party, and you invite them to a Holy Ghost party, right? Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, because the Holy Ghost party don't what? Stop. You don't know that. You don't know. But this is what I'm trying to tell you, that when you invite them to that occasion, they've now got receptive hearts, and God will block and get, keep all those things out. So when a spirit does come around and try to torment, you have the authority, the conscience to say, get out, leave us alone, you don't belong here. But did you know, none of that happens unless God chooses a man and the man steps up. Period. Turn to someone and tell them, don't care if they're a mom or dad or husband or wife or daddy, father, whatever. Tell them you got to let God establish you. Before God can build anything, you first have to find out where. And where, here's where, in the will of God. Here's where, in the will of God. That's where it is. Point number two, let me share this with you. Let me share this with you. Point number two, God will favor you. In order to do his will and leave a legacy, this is what God wants to do. David and Solomon were a great team because they knew their lane. David knew he was to help prepare. Solomon knew he was to, be, he was to build. Therefore, God gave him wisdom to do that. He didn't have the wisdom of God, but he came into that place where he could receive everything and be a good steward of everything God did and was doing. But David needed favor. Daddy, I pray the favor of God on you today. I pray the favor of God on you today. I pray that favor comes into your life and everywhere you go, you're surrounded by a shield of favor according to the Psalms. I pray every daddy walks in favor and a pleasing disposition with God. A position of being in the will of God. David had faith. 
He knew that God was going to build the house. So how many of you have ever prayed for rain in your life? And I'm not talking about just, just rain, you know, just this, the condensation of all of that that's up in the air and all the chemistry that involves all that. None of that. I'm not talking about temperature differentials or nothing like that. I'm talking about how many of you have literally prayed for blessings in your life? But there is a process. Did you know before rain can fall, it first has to ascend? I told my son this the other day. I, he, he asked me, he said, Dad, man, where does rain come from? I said, son, it comes from, it comes from the oceans. And it, it, it begins to, by, by just ascending. And it goes up. And when it hits different temperatures, it goes down again. Then it goes to the rivers, and the rivers head back to the source of the water. It's a cycle. See, that's the blessings of God in full function in a family. Somebody, did you know, how many of you are blessed today? Raise your hand. How many of you are blessed today? Did you know most of you, some of you are blessed because somebody before you in your family prayed for you? Oh, I promise you, you may not have had religious Parents, you may not have had the best parents in your minds, but I, I promise you this. This, this is why I say, I say this now. I do say this now, and, and I do believe this with all of my heart. My, my grandmother wasn't raised in the same kind of church I, I'm, I'm living in right now. My mother got saved later in life when, when I got saved under a full gospel truth. But we were raised religiously our entire life, and we came out of denomination, of a denomination where the only light you saw was the candle you lit. And it said bingo on it. <laughs> but that's another sermon. So, but my grandmother, my grandmother was a praying woman. I remember this. My grandmother was a stern woman. My grandmother was, was half Jew. And I remember her dedication to God. And I remember her relationship as a child. Every single night past midnight, my, mother, my grandmother would be on her knees. And she would pray for all of her children. And somewhere along the way, all of those prayers we're receptive. I shouldn't be up here today. I shouldn't be up here today. But somewhere I remember before I got married, I met my, I just saw one of my best friends at the mall, probably how many weeks ago, son? Three weeks ago or so. I saw one of my best friends at the mall and he told me, he told me, he reminded me, I even, I forgot about all of this. He said, I, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but but I, I saw one of my best friends. I mean, we used to go out. We used to party. We, I wasn't raised in church. And we used to hang out. And he said, and I told him when we were talking at the mall, I said, hey, man, I said, man, you know, I never, I never thought, in a, I would have never thought in a thousand years that I'd be pastoring today or doing what I'm doing. And he looked at me and he said, yes, you did, Bobby. I said, oh, I did. He goes, yeah, you did, man. I said, I said, what are you talking about? Well, how do you know I did? He said, you don't remember, do you? He said, the day you came and told me you're getting married to Dawn, you told me in our living room couch, because we lived together in San Marcos, and he said, you told me, Jake, I'm getting married. 
I'm getting married. And he said, you said it just like this. You're, I'm getting married, and I'm going to live for God. I don't remember saying that. And I'm going to raise my children under that kind of influence. That's what my promise was to myself in that moment. I don't remember any of that stuff, hardly. But I remember the day my heart opened up to God. And when I fully surrendered to God, I felt an on a flood of awareness, of, of just favor and love that drew me into a deeper relationship and things began to change. I'm telling you, God wants to favor you. Let me tell you how much favor David had. David gathered, and, and you can go back and reference this. I want you to write this down, take note of this, and read it later. First Chronicles 22, 2 through 5. I'm going to go ahead and read this, some, some of this to you. David gathered, David gathered workers and materials for Solomon's temple. David commanded to gather together the residents from all around. The, the, he called it aliens, the foreigners who were in the land of Israel. He set stone cutters to prepare the dressed stones for building the house of God. David also provided great quantities of iron for nails and for doors and for gates, for clamps, as well as bronze in quantities beyond weighing and cedar timber without number. And he, he provided all of this. And he said in, in verse 5, he said it again, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is built for the Lord must be exceedingly great. And he said, I will therefore make preparation for it, for David provided in great quantity before his death. That's what David did. But you see, David had favor to get all of those things. Again, let me say this again. It is, repeat this after me, fathers. It is the will of God for my children to, be have, to have more than what I've had. You must repeat that every single day and every single week. It is God's will for my children to carry a legacy and for them to be more blessed and do greater things than I ever did in my life. Dads, did you know you were called to be a king and a priest? Did you know the Bible says we were called to be kings and priests? And guess you know, and think about this. How many of you saw the royal wedding? Okay, both, okay, let me rephrase this. I know, dads, I know you were probably thinking I was talking to you. So I know you didn't want to raise your hand. Cause I saw some of you kind of go like that for a moment. Then, <laughs> so you know, there's no way I'm going to tell anybody I was watching that wedding. I didn't watch that wedding. Yeah, you did. You went on YouTube and saw the whole thing afterwards. I know. How many of you women saw the royal wedding? Some of you. Here, here's, here's what's significant about that. It was royal because they were related. They had royal blood. And you may ask yourself, how can I be royal if I come from a family that didn't have two pennies to rub together? That died? When my parents passed away. They, had, they left me debt, not, not money. Well, here's how it happened. The first king... You came from royal blood because your king 
and your relative was Jesus Christ. He was the king of kings. He was the king of kings. Therefore, when you accept, when, I hate to say when you accepted Jesus, like, like he needs us to accept him. It needs to be when he accepted us. When we come to repentance, when we surrender our hearts, we have been, number one, accepted by God from the beginning because of the cross. But his love gathers us in. And when we accept his lordship, and that's a better way to explain it, when we accept his identity to know who he is, that acceptance is mutual. And in that moment, upon surrender or repentance or whatever you want to call it, in that moment, this is where you have now, by the divine ordination of God, you have now become royal. And he will raise you up and bless you. And that is favor. Every time God's people built something magnificent for him, they needed the authority of a king to gather material, to work, to labor. Without that protection, without that favor, they couldn't do it productively, successfully. God, God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to be so blessed in your life. And I'm not talking about money. I am talking about spiritual gifting, spiritual inheritance, legacy, the greatest gift. You know what I believe? You know what I believe? I believe the greatest gift I can leave my children isn't going to be money. Money, you know, I, I want to leave some for you guys. Don't, understand, don't misunderstand me. That's why we work our behinds off, right? Well, it's still there, but we're working on it. <laughs> but more than finance and property and houses, I think the greatest gift that a dad can leave for their children is a prayer life and a Bible reading life, a relationship with God so they know, Daddy, that baby and that, that child is going to follow in your footsteps and do exactly what you did and done. I'm leading mine into the will of God and teach them how to stay in the will of God. And it doesn't matter how much money they have. They'll never be broke. They'll never be depressed. They'll never be down and out. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. Begging for bread. God will favor you. God wants to favor you. I have to give you scripture because you have to understand this. Are you ready? Luke 2, 52. Luke 2 and 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in what? Favor with God and what? All people, all, yeah, you've got haters. Everyone has haters. If you don't have haters, you aren't doing anything. Beware of the person who wants to be loved by everybody. 
I can't, I'm not, I would have never been really good at politics. Because I would have stood up and said, you're lying. <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> Whatever. Jesus was a truth seeker and he was a truth establisher. But Jesus came to do the will of his father. And the will of his father was for him to be the king of king and the lord of lords, just like David. God's will for David was to be the king of Israel. And he said from that throne he would establish, and there would never fail a man to sit on that throne. And did you know that Jesus was the end of that promise? Because Jesus came from the lineage of David. And because of David's life and the mercies of David, here comes out of out of, out of his lineage, and it wasn't a pure lineage. Go look and go look at Ruth. Ruth came from a foreign land. <laughs> Obed, Jesse. You're prior to him, and then Solomon, who even failed, and Jesus Christ. From, did you know that Jesus' earthly mother, now don't get mad at me, but you know in her day she was an outcast because she was pregnant before she was married. In her day, you think about people being judgmental now, we're talking way back then, they were even more judgmental then. They had customs and rules that, you know, you just didn't, they used to stone the people who committed adultery. But that came from the life of Jesus Christ. I've talked to some of you. Some of you are so proud of your parents. And you brag about your parents. I've had people brag to me about their parents. My dad did this. My, and that's wonderful and that's great. But Jesus didn't have that privilege. That privilege, all he can talk about was just his heavenly father. And Jesus, because of what he did, now he's given it to you. Jesus Christ, and I'm closing with this, and you can come up, Haley. I've got to close up right now. I want to conclude with this, and I'm going to end it right now. Read this. In conclusion, I want to share, I want to tell you this, because I have a whole lot more to say, but I'm cutting it short for a reason. I want to get straight to the point. I want you to remember this one thing. Throw the saying up there. In conclusion, Jesus did for you what David did for Solomon. Jesus did for you what David did for Solomon. Jesus fought off every one of your enemies already and defeated all of them. Watch this. I want to show you what Jesus did. When you look at the life of Christ and you see what he did for us. We only, we, we can't see a thing. Okay, but we're going to call that, we're going to call that the kingdom. We're going to call that the kingdom. And, and, and do you remember in the scripture when David himself said, does anybody know of anyone from the house of Jonathan? How many of you remember that? When David wanted to bless Jonathan, why did David want to bless Jonathan? Why? Do you remember what, what Jonathan did for David? How many of you remember that? 
He saved his life. He saved his life. What had happened during that time was this. If that was the kingdom, what Jonathan did, Jonathan poured in Jonathan poured into the kingdom by being there for David. By being there. He wasn't doing it to David. He was doing it for God because God was there with David. So the only thing that Jonathan had to go by, the extension of the kingdom of God in his day, was the person who was representing the will of God for that moment, and that was David. Do you remember that? So do you remember when David became friends with Jonathan and Jonathan said, I want to bless you. I want to protect you. He warned him about his own father who knew his dad was out of the will of God. And Jonathan was so committed to that. Now there are so many thoughts and theories about Jonathan, his real role. I'm very aware. Some say that Jonathan was selfish and had his own ambitions. I, I I don't know. But all I do know is this. In the mind of David, David came to a place and he remembered everything Jonathan did. Jonathan, he could have gotten jealous. He could have had David killed because you know what? He was a son of Saul and Jonathan should have been king. But he said, David, I'm going to help you. So all that he had to do, all he had in his possession was to help David. That was the closest thing he can do to help expedite and move the kingdom. And then years later, years later, here's what happens. Let's just do it. Let's do this for David. Let's just do this. Years later, here's David. David is sitting in his throne, and David is there, and he says, and inspiration comes back to him. I'm going to get my colors down. Inspiration comes back to him, and he says, and he asks the question to everybody. God begins to move on his heart. And it says, is there anybody from the house of Jonathan? And one day someone said, there is. And his name, do you remember his name? Meshibapheth. God wanted to make him and bless him. God put it on the heart of David to bless somebody who had made a contribution. And this right here was his, if you will, grandfather, great grand, a relative. And this daddy, this father, this daddy sold out to, the, to God gave him everything and God didn't let it go unrecognized and he moved on the heart of David and then God said I want to bless Jonathan's family I remember what Jonathan did I remember how good he was to me and they said there's a guy out there by the name of Meshibapheth Meshibapheth he's lame he can't walk he's unable to provide for himself David said bring him here Bring him here. And he spoke to him and he told him, for the rest of your days, you're not going to have to go and cook your own meals. 
You're going you're gonna to sit at the king's table and you're going to eat with me all the days of your life because of what your daddy did. And God began to pour out the blessings. I'm going to get these colors right. God began to pour out the blessings on him. God began to shower. I know this is simple, but I want you to just see it for a moment. Replace David with someone that is connected to the kingdom and the purpose. This represents the church. This represents lost souls. This represents opportunities that God's given you. Daddy, this represents the will of God to do and promote God. What is God's will? God's will pertains to anything, everything that God said that pertains to building his kingdom, how you're supposed to do it in your life, in your position, in your place, where God established you to build the kingdom. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word never passed away and God said that he's going to have we have a home there's a kingdom inside of you but there's going to be a kingdom that you're going to live in holy and and, and at the end of the day it's going to all that matters is what part did we do to God's big plan because there was some there, there is some assembly required if you do your small part Jonathan, then God will bless your children after you're gone. He didn't have to do much, but he just had to do his little part. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as you did what God asked you to do, but it makes, a little thing makes a big deal to God, because it saved this man's life. It saved this man's life. And then this man right here, who was poor, who thought he had been forgotten, God said, I'm going to bless you because of what happened before you were even born. Your labor is not in vain, Daddy. Your labor in God's kingdom is not in vain. Your love for your family is not in vain. Your prayers for your family. <clears throat> Did you know as a daddy you were called to pastor your family? And the prayers you pray for your family, every time you train your family, you're doing the will of God. This represents your family. In everything you've done, God's going to make sure that he leaves a legacy for you and that he blesses you and everything. And you have the authority because under the authority of God, the kingship of Christ reigns inside of you and your children will sit on the same throne of salvation in Jesus' name. And they'll be blessed and walk in the same favor. It pays to live for God, folks. It pays to live for God. I don't have any regrets about living for God. I don't have any regrets about doing the right thing in my life. I remember my buddies, and, and I don't know why I'm talking about this, but my buddies. You remember that day, Don, when my best friends came to my house after we were married, after we got in church, after God filled me with his presence, filled me with the Holy Ghost. I remember all my, my, one of my buddies came to my house and he said, man, how are you doing? How are things going? I said, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? He said, oh, doing good. My wife walked out of the room. He goes, hey, 
tonight. Come on. He said, come on, man. He said, all the girls are asking about you. Did you know that? Okay. Yeah, she goes, yeah. Good. All the guys are asking for you, man. Come on, let's go. I'll bust you out. That's what he said. I'll bust you out. Something inside of me said, and I looked at him. It was a difficult moment, not because I didn't have it in me, but because I was thinking to myself, I was still a young Christian, and I thought to myself, man, I don't want to lose this guy and not have a chance to witness to him or scare him off. But I said, it doesn't matter. I have to draw a line. I looked at him, and I said, hey, bud, I'm sorry. I got the, he didn't understand a word I just said, but I said this, I'm sorry. I got the Holy Ghost now. He looked at me like... Right? When I first, I mean, we, we say Holy Ghost, we say Holy Spirit, we say Spirit of Christ. But I was old school, right? Holy Ghost. Got the Holy Ghost. I, I told him I have the Spirit of God in me. And I'll tell you, I didn't have to do anything to try to tell him no. Just saying that, just he knew right away this was the real deal. But I have no regrets. Dads, dads, you're going to have to choose who you're going to lose if you're going to win. You have to choose who you're going to lose if you're going to win. And if you want to win, get established in Christ Jesus. Live for Him. Be a good daddy. Be a good father. Let Him father you, then you can be a good father to your children. There is some assembly required, but it's not much. God supplied all the materials to help you build a great business, a great family, a great legacy. He's given you everything, but he will give you the wisdom like he gave Solomon to carry it out, to do what you need to do. The hard part's been done. He's taken care of all of your enemies. He's defeated them at Calvary already, so there's no excuses. All you got to do is surrender. You can get delivered. You can get encouraged. You can get strengthened. You can have wisdom. You can have it all. It's done. It's done. It's done. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's pray a blessing today. Let's pray a blessing today. This is what we're going to do first. If you're visiting here today and you've not given, if every head would bow and every eye closed just for a moment, we're going to pray for the daddies after this. But if you're here in this place and you've not given your life to Jesus and you've not surrendered to him with every head bowed and every eye closed, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed right now, would you just raise your hand if that's you, if you need to give your life to Jesus? And, and maybe you've been away from Christ. But with the hands that are raised, Let's pray this prayer together. Can we pray it together? Are you ready? All together as a family. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, I'm ready to start over. Lord Jesus, I want you to build me. I want you to establish me. I am sorry for everything I've ever done. But today I believe it's a new day.
and I celebrate you. And receive me today, God. As I receive you, in Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand and clap. Now, now, lay hands on your daddy around you. Come on, lay hands on every dad. If you're around a dad, lay hands on them. If, they're da if your daddy's not here, then pray for them from where you're at. This is what we're doing right now. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for every dad. We're going to pray for every father. And we're going to pray that God would give you favor. And that God would give you patience. That God would give you faith. And that God would let his favor shine on you. And that the Lord would bless you. And the Lord would smile upon you. That God would do his will. So Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray for every father. God, we pray for every dad. That every dad would carry on, would embrace the will of God in their life. And that, that, that strength, power, authority, a kingly anointing would rest on every daddy today. That they have everything necessary to succeed and do well unlimited resources you said it is your good will and pleasure to give us the kingdom and you said you will supply all our needs according to your riches and glory so father today we pray this blessing on our dads in jesus name we pray and everybody say amen mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.